Hello, welcome to the Immigrant News Podcast, where we share the information, resources, and community that empower immigrants to thrive in Canada. I am Oin Ajibola, your host. Today's episode is on immigrant bullying, the targeted, intentional, and persistent abuse of an immigrant by a perpetrator who perceives himself as superior to the victim due to power imbalance. While bullying is not peculiar to immigrants, studies have indicated that immigrant students are particularly susceptible to bullying. This involves the discrimination and abuse on the basis of immigration status, race, color, ethnicity, religion, and other identity factors. This form of bullying can have significant negative effects on children's mental health. Victims report a loss of interest in school activities, more absenteeism, low quality schoolwork, lower grades, tardiness, and truancy in the best case scenario. And the worst case scenario, suicide. Although many immigrant children and youths require emotional or psychological support to overcome the effects of bullying, a large proportion of these children do not seek the help that they need. In today's conversation, an immigrant will share her personal bullying experience and we will discuss how immigrant parents can support their children to handle bullying and also provide the resources for victims of immigrant bullying. I have two amazing guests joining me for this conversation today. Diane, the daughter of Vietnamese refugee immigrants, born and raised in Yellowknife. Her family moved to Saskatoon when she began high school. Diane values spaces that are inclusive, pro-community, and anti-oppressive. She will be sharing her stories of being bullied while growing up and how her family encouraged her to deal with it. Thank you for joining me today, Diane. Thank you so much for having me on. Also joining me today is Oluwai Yemisi, an immigrant mother of two from Nigeria. Yemi currently works in the supply chain sector of the telecommunications industry. She's a lover of God and believes that everything is for a time and a season. Welcome to the show, Yemi. Thank you very much, Oyin, for having me. So let's jump right in to the conversation on bullying. Why do you think it's important for us to have this conversation? I'll start with you, Yemisi. Really, right now, this, the issue of bullying has become maybe even dreaded. So it is for most of us, we, we all experience some form of bullying while growing up. From the part of the world where I come from, we would see it as the grooming process. You watch on the internet, you see the movies, and bullying is becoming gradually a norm. I hear you. It's something that bothers everybody, especially parents who have children in school that uh, might be facing bullying. Diane, why do you think this conversation is important? I definitely agree with Yemi. Um, I would say for me personally, it's important because the stuff that I went through when I was younger, 
my my young cousins who are a decade younger than me they're going through the same thing now um so it's just really disappointing that 10 years later kids are still making the same jokes and um and and people still have to kind of bear with it and almost laugh with their abuser um and like like yemi said it's been so normalized right so I just think it's important to to talk about it because with immigrant families especially i think that um bullying can be minimized mm-hmm. and you're not really taken seriously if you're a bully so yeah so you alluded to your personal experience do you mind sharing that experience with us yeah i i was just like a big dork dorky nerd growing up right so like i didn't have any charisma and also i didn't know english until i was in grade three i mean not that that warrants bullying but it, it made me an easy target <laughs> um mm. i was like i was bullied probably from kindergarten straight until i uh got into high school um it's just it's just like typical stuff right it's just easy because I'm Asian and it's easy for them to be like, oh, small eyes, oh, you eat dog, oh, your food stinks. It's just, you know, and and it's it's always it's always turned around to be like we're just joking. <laughs> it's just a joke, mm. we're just being funny. So, even though I was getting bullied, I was I was not like allowed to um like I guess I didn't feel validated. I felt like I was being too sensitive and that people were trying to relate to my culture or um you know be friends with me but i was being too sensitive yeah and as the victim you were expected to laugh at the jokes being made about you <laughs> exactly <laughs> so how easy was it for you to deal with that how did you manage those times you know i think what ended up happening was that i just internalized that racism and i i used it as a way to make white people around me feel comfortable you know so i would make the jokes before before someone else got to um which is just it was like thinking about now it's so brutal because um i the way that i coped was just to put myself down i guess like the way i the way that my parents wanted me to cope with it was to ignore it and to to not take it personally you know they always said just ignore it just ignore it and like up to a point you can ignore it but um but kids kids don't take that as like a sign to back off right it's just, they kind of take it as yeah. a challenge so my parents advice to me was always to to look away or to um ignore it or to not acknowledge it and it, i mean that's not like they tried their best right because they think that that's the best mm-hmm. way to deal with it because for for them as a survival tactic was was to mind their own business and and to keep quiet right but that didn't really it didn't really it doesn't really work with children um so i think like for me personally i just internalized that racism and might have even believed it for a long time and it made it easier for me to to disconnect when when they would uh when like when I got bullied. So, was there ever at any point where you decided I'm going to speak out for myself. I'm going to challenge this. Yeah, actually. <laughs> it was like in grade 8 and it was the same girl that was bullying me for like 
like six years or something crazy like oh. that. and and you know how you know honestly i don't think that i even would have said anything but the thing was that i found out i was moving to saskatoon like that summer and so mm -hmm. I was like, I need to say something because it's been so many years and I might not ever get the chance to. And so like, like I, I, I confronted her kind of, but like I, I went to my, I went to my counselor. <laughs> I went to my counselor to be like, can you help me? Like, I am so, I'm just struggling. Like people don't understand just how, how, uh, how badly I'm being bullied and and it, I, I don't remember the details, but I, I remember it being this big deal. And we had to sit down with my parents and her parents. And, you know, the school kind of wagged their finger at uh, at my bullies. But mm -hmm. I got that little, I guess, that little sense of justice at the end where they were like, holy crap, that's so wrong. I can't believe they did that to you for so many years. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm happy that you said it got to the point where you had a sit out with your parents and your bullies. Yeah. In the end, did it make you feel like this is what I should have done from the outset? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and did it stop? Yeah, for, for me, like my biggest thing was hmm, I got to move away, right? Like I got to <laughs> I got to leave my bullies literally. <laughs> but my friends who who were close with me that also got bullied, I was worried that that it would just continue into high school. But like once they got into high school, those bullies kind of, you know, they kind of just backed off and they had better other things to, to worry about. And yeah, it was time to start thinking about the boyfriends and stop bullying exactly. the girl. <laughs> exactly. They're distracted. We should probably give them more distractions. <laughs> I think it works. So one other interesting thing that I love that you talked about was talking to your counselor because a lot of times kids who are bullied they need the support but they don't um seek the support that they need yeah. and here you are saying you spoke to your counselor and helped your and your counselor helped you to make sense of everything that was happening and how to deal with it yeah. do you think that was an important step for you to take to be able to make sense of everything that was happening to you and to avoid internalizing it I think so, and I have to. I have to credit my parents, of course, because they let me know uh, who who I can reach out to if things get bad or something like that. Okay, so talking about how your parents helped you, looking back at your experience, how do you think immigrant parents can help their children first prepare their children for? a time when they might face bullying? And also, how do you think immigrant parents can provide the support that children need to face mm. bullying? Yeah, yeah. Um, for, me, for me personally, what helped me was that my, my dad would like, I guess would like go through possible situations or scenarios that I'd have to face and how I can deal with each one. Um, like, and, and my dad, he, you know, he was like, he just made it, he just helped me with boundaries, I guess. Even though, even though I had a hard time implementing it, at least I had an idea. Um, I think that it would be helpful, honestly, if, if parents just listened to their kids and not, not minimize them, you know, like let them feel 
sad and hurt and and um, mm-hmm. let them feel those feelings and not tell them to you know man up or grow up uh, because I think if if the parents are able to just give the kids space to process these emotions that mm-hmm. then that then the kid can actually ask for help and ask for advice absolutely I loved what you said about how your dad helped you so you had a role-playing session with him where he <laughs> acted like the bully yeah <laughs> and then you had to come up with how to to um deal with him and stop yeah. him from bullying you i can just imagine the scenario in my yeah. head and him saying mean things to you and then you have to come up with how to stop him and validate yourself and make yes. yourself feel ah, interesting so yeah <laughs> Yeah, thinking about it now, I think that's one thing a lot of parents need to start doing with their kids to just help them build that mental power to stand up to bullies and speak up for themselves. Yeah, I think so. Just that support, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So another thing I find interesting is a lot of times parents themselves gaslights their children when it comes to um the whole bullying thing you'd hear a child complaining about um what's happening in school and the parents would interpret that to me oh you're just being lazy you don't want to go to school (laughs) yes yeah so do you think there are signs that parents need to look out for when their kids are being bullied telling signs that says oh um this is this is not how my child used to be. There's something yeah. different about my child. Are there telling signs that parents need to look out for? I think just based on what I went through and like what my cousins go through, right? Like when you get bullied so much and so often, it it obviously affects your self-worth. Mm-hmm. And it's hard then to to find happiness and things that made you happy before. And especially in kids, they don't know how to process that or even explain it. So I think parents, when they see their kid acting a little off and being a little bit more recluse, I think that they that's already like, they probably have an idea that their kid's going through something. Mm. So... For you, Yemi, how else do you think immigrant parents can help their kids to build them up mentally to deal with bullying? Um, thank you, Rich. So for me, I think it just comes to us as communication. We mm. need to communicate with our children. I would always tell my children, you're black-skinned. There's no pretending. Mm-hmm. We would need to accept it that we are black-skinned and there will be challenges in the world we are today with the fact that you are black-skinned. Or we might be in a better environment compared to other other worlds where it's tougher, but there would still be some people that will look at you and just because of the color of your skin or your hair type or the way you speak, they just not want to like you, maybe at first. There would always be a reason for that. So I think we need to communicate to our children and not pretend that these things don't exist. We can't, we can't hide the fact that they may 
face these challenges because like i said initially even when i was in my own country i faced some some form of bullying from people just like me so then compare it with people with different skin color people who think they are more privileged than you are mm-hmm. there will be the chances mm-hmm. to do this to communicate it to them and then build their self esteem for me a practical example when we came was if i was just when we came in um i've been in canada for almost 3 years now i didn't even mm-hmm. have a job then it was my daughter started school about a week plus after we landed and maybe a month into she been in school for um only you understand this for most of our children when we come from nigeria they've done definitely more than the curriculum that they meet in canada mm-hmm. so she went into class and was just having it easy i would say you know maybe like top in the class in math and english she i remember going for the first um, parent conference and the teacher told me she's the only child that can read in class my daughter was already reading chapter books and that at the time when other children couldn't read and mm-hmm. she came home one day and was crying and told me a guy told her in a class that you cannot be better than me because you are black mm. and she as a child she was just um six she she was wondering why would someone tell her that and that he said it to me in fact a concern was even what he said a concern was how he said it mm-hmm. my concern was what he said mm. and i needed to explain to her and all of that and this conversations are daily they are weekly we need to keep we we discussing it we need to talk about it over it's not a one time conversation we need to communicate it and we need to build this their self esteem we can't pretend this won't exist we can't pretend it won't happen we need to prepare them mentally physically and emotionally and yes i said physically because i for one will tell my child of course you need to tell me you need to tell the counselor you need to tell your teacher but if anybody gets physical with you you're going to get physical back mm-hmm. yeah i loved the part where you talk about parents not being able to shield their children from the realities yeah whether we like it or not bullying happens So the best thing is to prepare your child by having that conversation with them. And I also loved how you talked about reaffirmations. Mm-hmm. Your child has a black skin. Diane, you're Asian. You're <laughs> never going to stop being Asian. Yeah. Yes, you're Asian Canadian now, but you're never going to stop being Asian. Yeah. Your eyes are never going to grow bigger just because exactly. somebody doesn't like that you have a beautiful small eyes. <laughs> So just making your kids see that this is you. You're never going to change because somebody doesn't like you. And helping them to have that positive affirmation, positive self-esteem, irrespective of what anybody thinks about them. I think that is really important. Yeah. Another question I would like to ask you, Yemi, is on how parents can see the telling signs of bullying. So For you it was seen plainly that your kid came back from school crying and she oh. immediately told you what happened. But for other parents who probably didn't have that relationship with their kids or they're too busy to notice it, 
what are some of the telling signs you think parents can look out for to know that something is definitely wrong with my child and I need to step in? I think um, withdrawal is one is something that is very common mm-hmm. when a child withdraws. Another thing is when a child is afraid to go, maybe go to school, go to the park, or meet with other children in general. For me, those are one of the signs. So it's time to go to maybe the park, and you're wondering, you know, mommy, I'd rather stay at home, or a child comes back from school and then just wants to stay in um, in a room. Or, you know, it's just the mood of the child generally. As a mother, all of this for me are very important. I was having a conversation with a friend recently and, you know, we were trying to, um, we were trying to excuse some, some reasons for parents. And as a guy, he was even a male and he told me, yeah, he said, there is no excuse in parenting. You can't tell me you're trying to get my money. You can't tell me you're trying to trying to you know do the career. You can't tell no excuse is enough for a parent when it comes to parenting your child. So we need to be able to tell even simple things as all of a sudden your child wants to change the dresses she wears. And you're wondering why you always like leggings. Why do you want to all of a sudden always want to wear skirts? Or why do you always want to wear pink? Somebody um, telling you blue is for boys and pink is for you know something. Why I think we need to ask questions. Any uh, sign is a sign. Anything is a sign. Ask questions. <laughs> I ask my children over and over and over. Are you okay? Is there something you want to talk about? Is there some you know? I just keep asking and asking and asking. And it's, it's, it's a common thing in my house that my children are passing and they're just asking, Mommy, are you okay? Because they know I'm going to ask them. So the thing, every sign for me is a sign. Everything is a sign. Absolutely. So parents who are involved in their kids' life and have conversations with them all the time would notice when something is not quite right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting question that comes up for me is how to take it up when you are absolutely certain that your child is being bullied in school. Now, yes, you want to build your child up. You want to um, reaffirm that. You want to um, role play with them to help them know how to deal with it themselves. But it keeps going on. And this child is gradually becoming a shadow of themselves. Mm. Is there anything that parents can do when it has gotten to a point where it's it's persistent and obviously it's beginning to really affect this child? What can parents do? What step can a parent take at that point? Just out of curiosity, was there ever any point your parent had to go to school with you to say, my child is being bullied or something like this is happening. Or maybe tell you, talk to your teacher about it, report to your teacher about it. Yeah, that's, yes, yes, they have, yeah. Um, they, uh, like they did, they did meet with me when we met with the, with the other, like with the boy and, and her parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so just, just to be like, I don't know, just having them there to be like, this is not okay. What my daughter's going through is not okay. And 
I guess just hearing them say that and standing up for me helped me a lot. Hmm. Yeah. Yemi, what do you think about parents taking a step further when bullying is becoming persistent, especially in a child's school? Because oftentimes this happens in the school, not just really in the neighborhood, but in the school. Um, well, for me, I think it starts first with the parents being involved in school already. I, for one, try to call my ch children's teacher as often as possible. I like to reply to every email. I like to attend every parent. You know, when I came initially and um, I would just attend, you know, I would just, it's some um, time for a parents' conference meeting. I would just go. And then I remember talking to a friend and she told me, yeah, Mrs. next time you're going for a parent-teacher meeting, you're going to dress up like you're going for an interview. You're going to dress up properly. You're going to wear your best shoes. And you're going to wear your best wig. Because they need to know you in that school. And I'm telling you, Oi, that is what I do deliberately. Mm -hmm. I want them to already know me in the school. So that on the days that indeed an incident of bullying happens, they know that EMC is going to come there. Mm. So I try to get involved already in school even before these things happen. Because I've known instances where it happens and then the school tries to cover it up or they think they've managed it already in school and the child is still suffering. I want them to be able to say, not go and call your mom. They want, they should be able to say, go and call Yemisi immediately. Mm -hmm. So yes, parents mm -hmm. must always, for me, we are our children's first defense. If a child sees that you're standing up for them, it gives them some confidence. If they yeah. know that you will, I don't know, you will fight for them. Yeah. They'll be willing to come and tell you. But if she thinks, oh, if I tell mommy, mommy's going to say, oh, don't worry, it's just a phase, it will pass, it would No. I do that sometimes and I think, oh, I think even you need to be able to stand up to that. But I know, I'm grateful to God, I haven't had those lengths, but I'm certain if I do have it, I, I'm sure I'm going to go to school. Of course, not go and fight, but I need to put my foot there. Let me give an instance. I have a very close friend that lives in the U.S. We used to be neighbors in Nigeria before she moved to the U.S. and I came to Canada. And maybe about January this year, our daughters are just two weeks apart. So I was asking after our daughter, how is our daughter doing? And she was like, oh, yeah, Mrs. they're in a very tough state we have right now. She's nine also. I'm like, what happened? They said she went through a difficult time in school. A child bullied her so much. She didn't tell her mom at home. And she's so withdrawn now. She's a bully also. Oh. She has no friends. And if you dare talk to her, she's giving it back to you. She has, the daughter is, she said it herself. My daughter is now the bully in school. That was her own defense mechanism. As, as mothers, we were talking and she thought maybe she didn't do enough. Or better said, she didn't know early enough. So now she's dealing with trying to get her, her daughter, you know, out of this thick shell she has built for herself. So if our children don't feel that we will defend them in public, in school, at home, it's it's nobody knows how we respond for their child. Some withdraw into a shell, some do bad in school, some turn into bullies themselves. 
it's really important and based on diane's experience as well i heard when diane said just knowing that your parents is there to support you was a long way to help mm-hmm. so it's it's important for parents to be involved even before the incidents happens and like Yamisa said there is no excuse there's no excuse in parenting mm-hmm. yes immigrants were all trying to make sense of of Canada and trying to settle get a job pay the bills and and we're doing all of this without a lot of support system in place so mm-hmm. we all understand that but then it's not an excuse for parents not to be involved in what's going on in their kids school and i also loved what yemi said about knowing your teacher and letting the, your kids teachers rather and letting your kids teachers know you as well not just know you as oh this is uh is mother this is b's mother but this is yemi c knowing you by name knowing that if anything were to happen they would see you in school and not just seeing you in school as the parents of this person but an involved parent so that is really important and this reminds me of um the recent experience of the um boy who was bullied in was it Calgary and how he was oh yeah admitting and his mom went to the school the parent didn't listen to, to to her and she also went to the police and they sent her back and for me the most heartbreaking part of the story was when um the policeman came to the house to take the boy statement and asked the mother to excuse them at that point naturally i would feel it's a red flag this mm-hmm. boy is a minor so why would you want to interview him alone yeah without an adult being there mm-hmm. because the presence of an adult alone is enough support for that child knowing that i am not alone it's difficult enough for an adult to have to deal with questioning from a police officer yeah. but having a child deal with questioning and doing it alone at the end of the day I was really happy that the boy didn't end up saying what he said the policeman wanted him to say that he was able to stand up for himself but it would have been all the more important if a parent had been there or an adult had been there with that child while being interviewed by the police so it it goes a long way for parent to be involved yeah from okay. the beginning to the end and um one of the interesting questions that I've been thinking about a lot is what can we all do either as parent or as immigrant to advocate for systemic changes that would reduce bullying to the barest minimum so one of the very common places you would find bullying just like you said earlier are in the school and i am of one opinion that bullying should be in the curriculum because this thing is the cyberbullying now there's um you know there's there's mugging that it's really really bad I think I th- this has come to stay as much as we hate to accept it it's right in our faces 
I think it should be um, put into the curriculum whereby students are taught not to bully. Of course, it won't stop mm. it. But there's education and reinforcement of it. Another thing for me is punishment. People should not be allowed to get away with bullying. Mm. Community service. Anything. But some punitive measures should be in place. There should be structures, there should be policies, there should be laws that ban. Because we know so much that some of these things, Dan was lucky, some of those children are bullied. By the time they got into high school, they had other things to bother about. Some never stop it. Yeah. yeah. Some yeah. bully, bully into the workplace even. Yeah, you know? that's true. So, it, it, it's important that for as many people that can get the education and can be punished as early as possible, I think there should be policies and structures for that. Yeah, absolutely. Diane, do you agree with Yemi? Yeah, definitely. Definitely that there should be consequences, yeah. not just like a slap on the wrist. Um, mm -hmm. And I agree with the curriculum. Like, I think I think that not, not just bullying, I think that they need to teach anti-racism in their yeah. like they they should be required to teach anti-racism because i mean most of the immigrant kids that are getting the brunt of the bullying are visibly minorities right yeah i agree with you both that it should be included in the curriculum because i mean canada is a very diverse country we have only god knows how many people from different countries, different races, um, ethnic groups, um, skin colors, and all that. So you would expect that a country that is made up of immigrants would be more accepting, would even um, be happy to see the level of diversity in the environment. And it's it has come to a point where it's important for people to be taught about the cultures, the race, the languages of other people. Because, I mean, I love that even in the in the um, recent census, I don't know if you have um, completed your own census online, that there was a part where they mentioned um, other ethnic languages you speak. So it's important, yeah, it's important for the government to collect this data, to have this data of how many ethnic groups are actually in Canada. Perhaps when they have this data, they would be able to see the need to teach multiculturalism, to teach about um, the diversity of of Canada, and also to put in places in place policies that would discourage racism and and um, immigrant bullying in schools and um, even in the workplace. Interestingly, these things happen in the workplace as well. So putting in place policies and, like Kemi said, um, punitive measures that would gradually reduce, if not put an end to bullying and racism, but at least reduce it to the barest minimum. Yeah. And um, it's also important for people to um, educate others in their, in their community. I mean, you have a lot of times uh, Canadians and those who uh, were born in Canada asking 
immigrant questions about, oh, where are you from? What's your culture? Um, how is this done where you're from? So it's important for us to educate them. A lot of times, some of those questions can be condescending. For instance, when um, uh, a Canadian asks you, oh, you speak good English for an immigrant or you speak good English for um, a black person. Yes. So yes, yeah. mm-hmm. things like that can be quite condescending but okay. i think instead of us to to um take offense in such statements they present opportunities for us to educate them to um let them know because a lot of times most of the things they say and do is while not excused is as a result of ignorance they yeah. don't know any better they're not as exposed as many immigrants are because i mean for you to be an immigrant it means you've been in at least two countries yeah so um many canadians have only been in canada all their lives they don't know any better so it's it's up to us to take time to educate these um canadians as well and perhaps they would be able to take that education back to their children yeah who would otherwise turn out to be bullies and um, and racist thinking they are better than than immigrants which we all know but we are all on a level playing ground here nobody is better than anybody mm-hmm. what word of encouragement would you give immigrants out there who are either experiencing it or might be targets of bullying i guess just just realize that when you're getting bullied, it's not a reflection of your character and it's not a reflection of who you are. And it's definitely not your fault. <laughs> Absolutely. Not your fault. It's on the bully, not on you. Yeah. yeah. It's on the bully. Yeah. I agree. I think that's, um, um, Dan said it all. And then you saying it's on the bully, it's not on you. Is It's, um, it just caps it. I would always tell my daughter, my, I, I, I was, emphasis on my daughter she's softer than my son my son is very vocal he's um i don't know he's just he's just a man on his own my daughter is the softer one so i'm always there's more conversations with my daughter and i would always tell her someone calls you ugly look in the mirror are you really ugly Mm -hmm. no you're not i tell you every time you're the queen you're beautiful it's not on you they have insecurities that's the challenge and even as adults, I've known people, I personally experienced it when I started to work in Canada. You know, it was, I, it, it was, re- I, I started to get scared to talk to my supervisor because if I go like, hi, I want this, he's going to be like, are you speaking English? And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my I God. Said, Am I supposed to have said it? As an adult, I started to feel very intimidated until I found out that it wasn't just to me. There were a couple of us who were talking to and I realized, oh, this is not me. It's him. Yes. It's mm. him. And it's just, I think we just need to realize it's the bully. They have insecurities they're dealing with. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you and I hear you. Thank you so much, Diane and Yemi, for joining me on this insightful conversation today. It's been a pleasure having you, Diane, on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for making room for us and space to, to speak about this. Thank you, Inge. Thank you for your platform. It's yes. something we all need. 
we can all have this kind of platform or this opportunity. Thank you for going out of your way to do this. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. There are approximately 12,620 published and unpublished studies on educational strategies to curb bullying. We urge school boards and leaderships to examine these strategies and take decisive steps to protect kids from bullying. Because a safe, authoritative and structured school environment benefits all students. However, we all have a part to play in creating safer spaces for everyone, especially for children. Start by being a role model. Stand up to a bully. Speak up for the bullied and do not be a bully. When we each play our part, we can rid our community of bullying and truly become one big, beautifully diverse human race. If you are an immigrant parent, I completely understand the hassles of being an immigrant. And a parent on top of that? Nonetheless, it is important for you to be an involved parent. In a world where you can't completely shield your children from bullying, you need to constantly communicate with them so that you can catch the signs of bullying if they become victims and provide the support they need to handle it. To see a curated list of bullying resources and support centers, please visit immigrantsnews.ca and search the blog. If you enjoyed this show and think someone in your network might enjoy it too, please feel free to share. And don't forget to subscribe to the Immigrant News Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. Is there any topic you would like us to discuss on the show? Then drop us a voice note using the Anchor app or send an email to info at immigrantnews.ca. This is Immigrant News Podcast and I am your host, Oin. Join me next time for another interesting conversation that empowers you to thrive.